You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to the 100th episode of Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Thank you so much to our listeners who've shared our content and encouraged others to subscribe. We've grown a fantastic audience, uh, well over a million total spins on the content, and I am grateful that we have this direct way to get around the fake news. You know, in my book, Firebrand, I wrote a chapter, Enemy of the People, about the way in which the media tries to reshape what's going on so that they can try to influence events pursuant to their doctrine or perspective. And so the more platforms we have, like uh, podcasts, you know, social media to communicate directly, the more we want to take advantage of those as the great America first movement. But I do want to take this opportunity to ask a few questions about the show and hope that you'll respond in the comments section and we'll check them out. Question number one, is it time for us to bring on guests? You know, this has largely been a 20 minute format give or take a few minutes, depending on the news of the day, uh, that I'm able to provide my perspective. But it might be interesting to our listeners to have experts on, people from the media, commentators, uh, fellow members of Congress, and then we could uh, do some specials like that. So let me know if you think what Hot Takes needs is another voice and another contribution uh, to the information that we're looking forward to sharing on a going forward basis. Second question, do we need video? Now, the way to execute a video strategy for our podcast would likely include decreasing the frequency and then uh, increasing what we do. So maybe instead of every day with an audio recording, you know, we have an audio recording at the beginning of the week and then maybe a video at the end of the week to encapsulate the events. So let us know. Thanks for being here. 100 episodes and a special thanks to Luke Ball, my communications director, Joel Valdez, also a great member of our comms team. They put this product together each and every weekday. We're so excited to have their talents able to showcase in this project as well. That said, we love having you. Let's talk about the news. President Trump may have broken presidential debates. The Presidential Debate Commission coming out and saying that now they believe there need to be additional controls whatever that means, and they're discussing ways to modify the format. They went out of their way to praise Chris Wallace. I think that Chris Wallace was uh, far too active as the moderator. You know, it's one thing to try to identify what subjects are there to be covered. It's quite another for him to be like shouting over the candidates, gentlemen, gentlemen, please, I'm the moderator. You know, I, I sort of felt like that was not something that enhanced the discussion at all. Uh, and if you go back and listen to Monday's episode of hot takes you know there was some advice i gave both the candidates neither took it and if either had taken it i think they would have more clearly been the winner right i talked about the need for the debate not to devolve into two old white dudes in their 70s though the president's quite young at heart um kind of complaining about the worst elements of the status quo and blaming each other for them you know instead what we need is vision and i think that the president did the best job of that talking about the onboarding of 10.4 million jobs but but even maybe some loftier rhetoric uh, i think would be helpful to the president and i also said if the president wants to showcase joe biden's lack of cogency 
he has to give Biden the room to talk and demonstrate that. Like the only person that's going to create a Joe Biden meltdown is Joe Biden. And if you give him the opportunity, he will. There are plenty of cases where, you know, Chris Wallace saved Biden, but also a case or two, I think, where President Trump saved him. So that was the advice I gave on Monday. It wasn't taken. Put me on the debate prep team, Mr. President. I'm ready, ready to help, ready to serve my country, ready to serve my president. But now the Commission on Presidential Debates, I'm just wondering, like, what controls are they contemplating? Like, is there going to be a mute button? Has Donald Trump been so dominant as kind of like the alpha male in the room? that now they have to quite literally de-platform him from the presidential debates with a mute button? I mean, that Twitter's tried to mute him. Facebook's tried to mute him. The mainstream media's tried to mute him. So I guess it should be no surprise if the Commission on Presidential Debates employs a tool like that. I just think Donald Trump walked in that room. There weren't many people there. It's him, it's Biden, it's Chris Wallace. And he was there to just kind of like tell him what was up and how this country has to be run and what is true and what is false. And, you know, he had obviously a few questions that he wanted to pose directly to Biden. And and I think those were powerful moments for the president. Um, He would have, I think, been better served to give Biden just a little more leash. And uh, we'll see what those new rules are from the Presidential Debate Commission. But quite stunning that after the president's just, you know, you you can like it or hate it, but it was a dominant performance. He was the dominant presence in that room. And as a consequence of that dominance, uh, you know, Washington and the establishment and the elite are reacting. We'll see what those rules are. I can't imagine they're going to be there to benefit President Trump. Are our media overlords now telling us we must be too woke for the 4th of July? Media Matters is a George Soros-funded organization intended to attack conservatives and conservative content, particularly that which appears on television. They're the ones who tried to cancel Tucker Carlson, uh, and they regularly attack conservative commentators and particularly conservative investigative journalists. Some of our favorite investigative journalists are at thenationalpulse.com, and Natalie Winters has some return fire. Uh, Her piece, Media Matters new reporter Justin Horowitz says he's too woke for the 4th of July. Uh, This employee apparently uh, has tweeted thousands of times and deleted some of those tweets. One of the now deleted tweets uh, from Mr. Horowitz says, I do not celebrate the 4th of July because I am fire woke. So uh, apparently 4th of July canceled by those who would want to cancel Tucker Carlson. I guess there's probably a lot of overlap with like the anti-4th of July people and the anti-Tucker Carlson people and those who attack uh, these brave investigative reporters like those at the National Pulse who go out each and every day, tell the truth about the Chinese Communist Party and the truth particularly about the fusion of the radical left and the media apparatus in Washington, D.C. and New York. It is just such an incestuous dynamic between these elements of the media and their left-wing brethren in government and in politics. And, you know, that's why I wrote the Enemy of the People chapter in my book, Firebrand, to expose circumstances uh, where you have the media not reporting on the news, but trying to make the news. And now you see with, you know, sentiments like those from Justin Horowitz uh, at Media Matters that when they try to realign the world to their viewpoint, It is not an America first viewpoint. It's an America last viewpoint. 
and we can do better and liberate ourselves. That's why great platforms like a direct podcast and hot takes are so important. Line up the capitalists and shoot them. Shoot them first. If you're a capitalist, you're naturally me first and you don't belong in the reorganized society that the revolution is going to bring us. No, these aren't my arguments. These are the arguments that were published publicly by the former CEO of Twitter, Dick Costolo. And his tweet reads, me first capitalists who think you can separate society from business are going to be the first people lined up against the wall and shot in the revolution. I'll happily provide video commentary. So this, I guess, is the peaceful protest. I mean, this is, you know, what starts with a peaceful protest ends with the color revolution, according to this former Twitter CEO. And isn't it rich that when I tweeted out some weeks ago that we ought to pursue Antifa terrorists with the same vigor that we pursue Middle Eastern terrorists? Oh, I was deemed as violating the terms of Twitter. My tweet was labeled as, you know, uh, a call to violence, essentially, by the social media platform and yet here's their former ceo like straight up saying where this all ends you know this doesn't end with some kumbaya drum circle led by the ben and jerry's crowd okay this is the antifa thuggery amazingly funded by many of the tech billionaires and corporate elitists on the left and I don't know like what they think is going to happen to them. You know, all these like corporate America donations to all these left wing street mob groups. Uh, it doesn't end well. This is what their plan is. Line you up and shoot you. I don't think that ought to be the fate of capitalism. To be America first, we have to believe in the ambitions of Americans and their capabilities. And we have to nurture those and reward them. And the best way they're rewarded still in the world is in a market-based system where your talent and your skill can take you to the highest prosperity. That is the promise of America, and I think it is still worth fighting for and defending with everything we have. In Venezuela, we have new reports that the food chain is breaking. The Wall Street Journal has a fantastic piece by John Otis that we'll put out showing that 13% of children under the age of five are literally stunted in their physical development. While the nation remains oil rich, it is on the edge of an irreversible catastrophe. Uh, basic things like, you know, cornmeal unavailable to people. This is the real socialism. You know, the, the real socialism isn't the hacky sack drum circle socialism. It isn't, you know, having businesses just like fully operating for the public benefit rather than for market forces. It's people unable to eat and get medicine and have stability in their lives. And, you know, when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you deprive people of that basic, you know, food, shelter, protection, there is no opportunity to advance as a society. And I, I think that's why capitalism, while it has its flaws, while there certainly need to be governors on capitalism, it's the best system in the world. And uh, it just breaks our heart to see, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, uh, folks dying as a consequence of malnutrition. Uh, and I think that the people of Venezuela deserve far better than the government that they've gotten. The problem is they voted their way into this socialism, and they're probably going to have to fight their way out of it. Prayers to those who are 
unable to get the necessary provisions to stay alive and let it be a lesson to the rest of us not to accept the siren call of such a dangerous system. Open the schools, provide social distancing, use masks where appropriate, have good sanitation, use swing spaces like gyms and cafeterias to ensure that the students aren't packed in too close together, and ensure that learning can continue, that children don't lose the opportunity to grow and develop in their minds as well as in their interactions with one another. That was the advice that I gave on this podcast as school season was coming to be. Florida took that advice. Governor DeSantis ensuring that schools were open, that parents had the opportunity and were empowered to send their kids to school. And so it's a good time to check in and see how that's gone. And that's precisely what USA Today did. Uh, Jamie Frazier, uh, the lead on a story that we're going to certainly share. Florida schools reopened in mass, but a surge in coronavirus didn't follow a USA Today analysis finds. And while there have been some spikes in Florida, those have largely occurred among college-age adults, not school children. Uh, and that when you look at those ages 5 to 17, uh, actually in Florida, we've seen a decline uh, through late September after that peak that we had statewide in July. Uh, you had over half of Florida's parents send their students back to school, according to state education officials. And, you know, all eyes are on Florida. Uh, health researchers and educational experts watch Florida for cues about what works to keep students, staff, and the broader community safe amid the pandemic. And as, you know, the weeks have ticked by, school link cases have not materialized, and uh, requests to return to remote learning have surged in some cases. And we said that would happen. You know, we knew that this wouldn't be right for every family, for every student, and uh, that certainly gives parents the ability to use those digital tools. And we've seen that surge, and that actually works in synergy with trying to create that plan uh, within the school district where we've got the right distance and we've got the right strategy. So congratulations uh, to the state of Florida, to Governor DeSantis, to Commissioner of Education Richard Corcoran. I think it's fantastic to see Florida schools open. And as a consequence of this USA Today report, we may be able to have some optimism that there are lessons that we're learning in Florida successful techniques that we're using that the rest of the country could benefit from. Bravo to the Sunshine State. Subway bread is not bread in Ireland. The Irish Supreme Court ruling that as a consequence of Subway's bread having five times the sugar content of normal bread, that it no longer can be classified as the staple under the food categories created in Ireland. So who knew when you're biting into that fluffy, light Subway loaf that actually you are getting a heavy dose of sugar? Well, I guess over there in the land of the potato, they take these things quite seriously. It was a matter decided by the Supreme Court. Sorry, Subway, your bread is not bread anymore in the land of the leprechauns and shamrocks. Jim Comey was testifying in the United States Senate this week. Oh, Jim Comey. Same old Comey. Sanctimonious. Egomaniac. Take a listen to the tongue lashing he got from our friend Senator Mike Lee. Mr. Comey, with all due respect, you don't seem to know anything about an investigation that you ran. 
So, so how can you now, as a private citizen and former FBI director, show up and then speculate freely or regarding any alleged ties between President Putin and President Trump? Senator Cruz also going in on the former FBI director. Take a listen. This investigation of the president was corrupt. The FBI and the Department of Justice were politicized and weaponized. And in my opinion, there are only two possibilities that you were deliberately cor corrupt or woefully incompetent. And I don't believe you were incompetent. This has done severe damage to the professionals and the honorable men and women at the FBI because law enforcement should not be used as a political weapon. And that is the legacy you've left. Senator Josh Hawley got in on the action. Here's his exchange with Comey. So you personally authorized an unprecedented surveillance on an individual associated with the presidential campaign during that campaign's ongoing time period, October of 2016. You signed off personally on two further applications based on information from a source that you believed correctly worked for the Democratic Party. And the source's information, it turns out, was coming from a suspected Russian agent, yet you did nothing to try to verify any of this information. You brushed aside the concerns of high-level national security lawyers at the Department of Justice. How are the American people to trust you or the FBI following abuses like this? I disagree extensively with your predicate. I think the FBI is an organization that is honest, competent, independent, and also flawed because it's made up of human beings. Well, I have to say, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about the FBI as a whole. I'm worried about you. Thanks for listening to the 100th episode of Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Remember to give me some feedback. Do you want to hear some guests on the next 100 episodes? Or maybe you'd trade the frequency of daily audio for a little bit of video content. Let us know in the comments. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more hot takes.